Hello and good evening. My name is Robin Mertens. I'm the co-founder of Intech London. Intech London is a community of people interested in innovating insurance, comprising innovators, insurance companies, investors, and generally those enthusiastic about the future of insurance. We have monthly events at the Steel Yard in the City of London, and this is our event on the 30th of October, when we got a panel of insurtech experts to come and discuss with us are insurers failing their customers? And first up to provide his views is a co-sponsor, Paul Ridge of SAS. Thank you, welcome. Um, as Robin said, we've sponsored a few of these events. I think from uh, quite a while ago, we were uh, an early supporter of Instech London. So it's good to be here. Thank you for everyone that's come along this evening. So I personally work with a range of insurers we do globally as an organization. So I guess we have a sense of perspective. The questions that are being asked tonight is, you know, I think quite, quite challenging. I think for, uh, for us particularly, I think we look at insurers as having a key role for us, a key vertical for us. But we are always then comparing insurance maybe against other verticals, other industries. What innovation is going on? You know, what, are, what are we seeing in terms of disruption and change in many other markets? So is insurance failing its customers? I think from my perspective, I think there is an issue in the industry. I think um, there are some things that have happened quite recently that have, have maybe helped me just maybe structure my opinion and, and the points that I'll make. Um, I think one thing for me is that it's surprising that it takes a movement like the InsureTech movement that we have today to really challenge an industry and demand of that industry that it adapts and it moves forward. It was a question for me of would, would we be seeing the change that we are today if it wasn't for that challenge? Would the industry, if it was independent of that, still be looking at innovation and still be trying to move forward? Um, one of the things that, that for me struck a chord quite recently, we had an event in Milan and we had a keynote speaker. That keynote speaker for us was um, a, a chap who was from a, a leading university in Italy, a professor of innovation. And so he talked of this world that we live in today, and this world that we live in is not short of one thing, and that's ideas. Everybody has a great idea. But what we find is that those ideas often lack meaning. And he said that one of the challenging things is, as organizations today, what we have to do is not ask our customers what they want of us. We have to think beyond that, and we have to think further, whether it be the Steve Jobs analogy or whatever it may be, we have to think what our customers need. I think what, what we potentially mean by that is do people really need the cheapest motor insurance they could possibly find? No, I think what people actually need is the right level of cover for the risk that they face at a fair price. So from that perspective, I think um, one thing that I, I'll kind of reference and someone that put it much better than I did, and I think we've got a speaker from Bought by Many later. So if you haven't seen it on LinkedIn, it's worth a read. So Steve, who is the CEO of, of um, Bought by Many, wrote a letter to the chairman of Aviva. And he put it in a much better way than I did. And what he spoke about is the need for that organization to find a leader who starts to think 10 years ahead. Somebody who starts to think about what do customers really need. Start to think about trying to tackle that industry-wide problem. You know, why does it take a regulator to ask the industry to stop and think about dual pricing? You know, why are we looking at an organization discounting the acquisition that it puts into our policies, but then we find there are a number of instances where vulnerable customers are paying three times more than they probably should for their insurance renewals. So Steve positioned it that way. 
You know, if we are looking forward, if we are trying to challenge this industry to become customer-centric, then I think we need to consider what do customers really need, not what do they want. And that's a challenge, because for many, for if it be personal lines, motor is going to be a huge part of their business. So a big decision for somebody leading an organisation like Aviva to stand up and take a stance in the industry and maybe put the customer ahead of maybe those uh, kind of key metrics on shareholder return and things like that to really transform and drive Aviva as a business forward. I think on the technology and innovation piece for me, just to kind of wrap up, I think also what happened recently for us, it was the third year anniversary of what I guess would be termed as kind of some of the buzzwords in the industry at the moment around AI and machine learning. So three years ago, an insurer implemented straight through processing or real-time decisioning at the point of claim. Huge benefits to customers, their NPS score went up significantly, huge cost reductions. That was three years ago. Back then, the buzzwords that we have today weren't really around. You know, it was good old analytics. But what it proved for me is that the technology is available for innovation to take place. So again, without the InsureTech movement pushing and challenging the industry, why three years' time later have we not seen others adopt that and make that a reality for their customers? So hopefully there's some points in there that maybe strike a chord for a few of you. It'd be good to get some debate and some discussion around those points. So I'd like an insure tech innovator's view of um, is insurance failing or are insurers failing the customers? Ed, do you want to? Uh, Ed Axon from uh, Trove, uh, SVP in charge of all things sales, are insurers failing their customers? Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Robin. I'm glad to be here. I'd start by saying I'd probably vote for Paul because I thought he'd be very, very good. So hopefully I could fill in. So the question is, is the insurance, uh, insurance failing its customers? And Robin has obviously asked us to be, as the insure tech people, to be controversial. But, uh, you know, that's not what I'm really here for. Uh, what I would say, the insure tech movement maybe wouldn't be around if everything was rosy. And I think if you look at... Uh, different sectors in the market, you'll see that there's a lot more going on. And so the word failing, I think, may be extreme. What I would say in certain sectors of the market, like general insurance, the insurance world has allowed other people to get into that journey. If you take motor insurance or general insurance in the UK, you know, the aggregator plays a huge, huge part in it. Now, initially, was that good for the consumer? It probably was. Is it good for the consumer now? I think that's a huge debate. So you've got these massive uh, you know, insurance brands that we all grew up with that are hugely trusted, have allowed someone else into that journey, and I think that's a potential problem. Now, it's great to see a lot of the guys, the, the Zurichs and the Avivas and, and Direct Line, working hard to build that relationship again. But there is an adoption theory in brands where if you don't flatter the audience of today, what happens is they just believe that your brand is for their, their father's brand or their grandfather's brand. So you've got these massive big insurance companies, hugely trusted, that I think need to do more to work direct with the insurance companies again, which is great to see that they are. There's a lot of innovation around uh, claims management, which is great to see. I think you know, that's again going to give the insurance, uh, the insurance world and consumers 
some of that trust back in these big insurance brands. Uh, working with insurtechs, I would say that, of course, but you know, <laughs> I promised we wouldn't use the word collaboration, but you're working with, with insurtechs to define new products and, and get the trust back from consumers, I think is going to have a huge impact on it. So my answer to, would, are, they letting, are, are insurance companies letting the consumer down? I, I wouldn't go as far as that. I think they've just let someone else into the journey. And I think what's important is you get, you get that relationship back again. And, and work uh, with innovation. You know, uh, as Paul said earlier, the innovation around uh, insure tech startups, uh, real-time pricing, uh, the ability to calculate risk dynamically, that's the stuff that I think consumers today, you know, the Tro's very existence uh, is because there is, a, there is a gap between what young people believe in insurance and what they, what they need. And that's why we exist. So my answer would be, not as extreme as letting down, but maybe they've allowed someone else into the journey. That's me. Ed, thank you very much. <laughs> Next up, we've got Nigel. Um, if you're running these things and you want somebody to say something, then uh, he's your man. Uh, never short of a word. Nigel, yours. I think that's a compliment, Robin. Thank you very much. So, neither of my two predecessors answered the bloody question. Have they failed? Have insurance companies failed their customers or not? Answer, no. And I firmly believe this. I've sat at every one, not every one of these, but many of these events and talked to many of the insurtech startups. I work with them on a regular basis and I work with lots of the carriers. Have we failed our clients? Absolutely not. Let me give you some evidence. 99% of uh, claims paid by Zurich... It reminds me of my billboard every day I walk to my local train station. Thank you, Arsenal and team. Uh, Aviva came out and said exactly the same thing. 96% of claims paid for you. Have we failed? No, we have not. So, the promise to pay, the thing that we're here for in the first place, does get executed. Number one. But this is not marriage guidance. This is not marriage guidance. I've not been through it. I hope never to go through it. But if it was from all the movies I've watched, it talks about the things you need to do to make a relationship work. So the relationship we have with our insurance companies. Do we care about each other? Do we talk to each other? Answer, no. Whose fault is that? Possibly the customer. I'm not saying the customer's at fault here, but if I don't call you, and all I ever do is call you when I'm in crisis, when something's wrong, when I've had a crash, when I'm in a really bad state, yet the insurance companies open their arms with welcome and go, how can we help? Have we failed you? No, we have not failed you. I'll add a third, party to the, a third party to the relationship. You mentioned it earlier with regards to PCWs, for example. Um, we throw all of our data that you want to value into a third party, the third person in the relationship, and let them find the cheapest possible thing to compare you against and think you're all the same. Marriage guidance might tell you that is a bad example of bringing a third person into this relationship. I have still not failed you, because when you, when you take the cheapest option that you want in the top of that list, I will still be there with open arms to answer your questions and address your claims. For anyone that follows, I don't know if Oliver Ralph's in the room or not, I can't see, Oliver Ralph, insurance correspondent for the FT, wrote a great piece about identity crisis for insurers, and I do believe in this piece. Maybe the insurance company of tomorrow, in fact, not maybe, absolutely, the insurance company of tomorrow will be very different to the insurance company of today. Maybe what you buy isn't insurance. Maybe it's services that happen to have an insurance embedded into it. 
Maybe it comes with the product that you buy or the service that you're engaging in. Maybe it's um, episodic or whatever fancy word you want to use for, for time bound. But it will definitely change. And that relationship with insurance companies will also then need to change. Um, we look at other industries and go, look at those guys. We can submit a meter reading. Woohoo. We can do, look at our digital version of our paper statement from a bank and call it digital banking and go, look, we've got a fintech digital banking app that really and truly is looking at a digital statement that we had all those years ago. So not much really has changed in those words. Have we failed you? I still think not. I've answered the question about 20 times and I keep doing it. Um, could we become more efficient, to your point, without a shadow of a doubt? Look at any other industry that we engage with and tell me they couldn't become even more efficient. Even our good friends at Amazon or Google or Facebook. Anyone, everyone, has anyone ever tried to call Amazon? Okay? It's not an easy thing to go and do sometimes. But you know what? They are flawless execution. So there's things that we can learn from other people without a shadow of a doubt. I go back to you and say, how have we failed? Absolutely not. And I will stop there. Thank you, Nigel. Excellent. Who wants to put a contrary view? Yes, I thought you might do that, Louisa. <laughs> Louisa Barile from the Chief Financial Officer from Bought by Many. Good. So I'll, I'll have to be the controversial one here. Um, when Robin asked me to um, and, and told me the topic of this debate, I thought, um, would anyone actually uh, argue that uh, the insurance industry is not failing its customers? Um, and I think, you know, if you think about it, um, most people have basic, you know, fairly basic insurance needs, and most of that, the majority of people can actually get cover for what they need, and they can pay a reasonable price, especially in retail, where the price comparisons website have, uh, are, are uh, prevalent. Um, uh, yet, uh, when you know, we, we think about uh, what has happened in the past uh, four or five years, uh, now everyone is thinking about uh, insure tech and innovation. So there is quite a lot has changed um, in, in that period. Um, so you would expect quite a lot of improvement uh, on, uh, on the customer experience side. Uh, if you look at how the customer perception of insurance has changed over this period, um, there is some interesting insights. Uh, I looked at the customer experience report done in 2018 by um, Engine um, on a sample of UK population, um, and we see the insurance industry ranking at the bottom of uh, the table consistently over the last five years. So there's a, a, a ranking of basically 14 industries, and they ask, um, they ask people you know, which sector would they rank in terms of the best experience uh, for customers. Ins insurance is always the, the, the bottom one. Not only insurance is always the bottom one, but if you look at the past five years, the share of people that are mentioning insurance as uh, the top industry has actually declined by 2%. Now, 2% is not a big decline, but um, put in a context of um, you know, other industries actually uh, increasing that share, uh, especially banking, which is uh, uh, you know, in, in the same space of insurance, the gap uh, has actually increased. Um, so insurance has not has you know, done quite a lot of things over the past five years, but has not managed to bridge the gap compared to other industries, and is still at the bottom. So you know, my answer to the question would be, well, yes, you know, insurance has failed or is failing um, its customer. Maybe not in general the customers, uh, but definitely is failing the customer experience and the customer expectations. 
um, in that regard. Um, and I think you know, the more interesting question would be you know, where, where insurance is failing. Um, and I would have four points on this. Um, the first one is education. Um, there's still a large part of the population that is underinsured, um, especially in retail and, and small businesses where the, the, the people are less sophisticated. And uh, the, this is a problem for the individuals, but it's also a problem for society in general. Buying insurance is still very hard. Um, contracts are very long and, uh, and complicated. Uh, and a lot of people don't have a good perception of the risk. Um, a lot of the time, people buy insurance after um, something has happened. Like, even I bought my um, car breakdown cover after you know, the first time my car left me stranded uh, on a street. The second problem, I think, is um, transparency. Um, people just don't have a good understanding of um, how the premium is calculated, what happens if you claim. Um, I have a, I think I told Robin a story about a conversation with a taxi driver I had when like, he was saying, well, I had an argument with my wife because you know, we had a claim, um, like a 500 pounds of, uh, of a leakage. I had a policy with a 300 pounds excess. So my, uh, my wife really wanted to claim and we claimed, uh, we got the 200 pounds um, of, of the difference. And then the next year, guess what? The premium went up by more than 200 pounds. Um, so insurance is a fraud. You're just raising your premiums. Um, that doesn't uh, that doesn't help anyone. Um, and you know, if you think you know, there are still quite a lot of practices in the insurance industry that are uh, not helping the customer experience, not really understanding how the premiums are calculated, what happens when you claim. Um, you know, the thing that we were mentioning before about. Um, the, uh, the, the, the insurance, uh, the, the, um, the interest rate charge on the premiums um, if, um, uh, if you pay monthly, uh, they're still not helping the, the insurance industry. Um, the, my third point is around digital experience and that coupled with the human touch. Um, so clearly people want to buy, uh, want to buy things fast, uh, want to buy things when they want it, so want a digital experience, but that's still important to have a human touch um, about it. Um, and that's something that um, both insurance, the insurers and the insurer tech can do quite uh, well, but they're not doing particularly well at the moment. And the fourth point um, is about um, inclusion. Um, now, the probably leaving politics aside, um, the world has uh, moved to be more um, inclusive um, and you know, we now better understand the, uh, the value of diversity in business and, uh, and in society. And I think you know, insurance is lacking behind uh, the other sectors in terms of um, inclusion, not just on gender. I'm probably the, the only female um, person on this panel to know said too. Yeah, too good, but you know, are still underrepresented. Um, but you know, but those in terms of uh, race and um, uh, you know sexual orientation and um, and anything. And I think that it's easier to, for insurtech to uh, attract people with a diverse background. But that's also very important for um, for the whole industry to move the needle um, in that direction. So my answer to the question is yes, I think we are, but you know, we hope that, uh, I hope that together we can actually change that. Thank you. Um, it's time we had an investor's view. Stephen, do you want to come and represent investors for this purpose? This is Stephen Britton, the co-founder of uh, InsurTech Gateway. 
Um, Stephen, are insurers failing their customers? Uh, good evening, everybody. I am, I'm a slight imposter because um, my background, I was a product designer and I spent 10 years studying customers before I came to insurance. So I have an interesting comparison because I've arrived in an industry that I believe has a, a, a absolutely zero view of their own customer. And I'm trying to bring designers and creative thinkers into your industry. So it's more a question of who am I investing in rather than here I am to invest. And so I wanted to, um, I've similarly been scrabbling around with the rest of them trying to work out how I'm going to fill a few minutes here in the debate format. But something struck me actually that got me in the first conversation I had when I came into insurance. One of my best friends, he's an insurance broker, and he took me out to lunch. And he said, I'll take you to one of the places I take my clients. And my first, first observation was that he'd put on three or four stones since we were at school together. <laughs> and, I, and he basically gave me a massive lecture about how to look after customers and clients. And I said, but I spent 10 years studying customer needs and consumers. He said, yeah, this is how business is done, my friend. He, knew, he knows every best restaurant in town. He's got an incredible expense account. And he understands the word client like nobody else does. He understands customer and he understands client. And I come from a world that was trying to understand why the iPhone was successful, why Amazon was taking everybody's industry. Um, and I guess I'm just trying to shift the debate from a conversation that says, wow, the insurance guys sure know how to service a client through to they have no view at all on customers and emerging customer needs. Um, and I've taken that same philosophy in terms of the incubator we started to build because it wasn't a case of just investing in the ideas that came towards us because I wasn't meeting people that really understood the customer. Um, or sorry, in my definition, the consumer. So, um, and this was, so the incubator that we've built was built within a business that didn't touch insurance for five years. We were just trying to innovate. We were trying to find disruptive models and new segments of consumers and new needs that we would meet. And this felt quite, ordinary, quite a normal approach to us. So um, without giving too much of a, of a plug to the business, what we've really struggled to do is to find people from the insurance industry who could engage in an environment where they genuinely get to test with consumers and actually see if their idea works live and see what really happens in full Technicolor and understand why the pricing and why the distribution, why the call to action doesn't work when you work in insurance, how difficult it is for you all to make that work. So, I, um, is that my bell already? Oh, thank God for that. I thought, wow, I can, I can gabber. I'm starving. <laughs> um, so, um, I will leave my point that um, um, we all have a lot to learn about how to service clients from the insurance industry, but consumers is another game. And that's what the industry needs to wake up to. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next, we've got Arslan Hanani from um, Zurich. I, I, a particular thanks to people from the industry, because I had to make a lot of phone calls <laughs> to get someone from the insurance industry to come into the InsurTech lion's den and represent the incumbents. So, Arslan, thank you. No, and thank you for having me today. You can imagine how excited I was when Robin called me and said, can you come and talk about why insurance is failing its customers? So as an insurer, it was, I mean, I feel like I should just invite Nigel back up to do another five minutes, but I think there's a lot of valid points that, that have been raised today, and it's, it's really interesting. One thing that, that I heard earlier was the separation of the insure tech industry. 
Like it's like it's like it's something else, which is the first point I talk about. Is like for the benefit of the customer, that's something that this group and this industry should just stop with. We are here, like I mean, as as insurers, I think one thing that a lot of people forget is the responsibility we have to carry as well, right? Let's take Zurich as an example. We've got 60 million customers. We've got revenues of over 50 billion dollars. There are a lot of problems that we have, but we have to look at each, each solution with a sense of responsibility. Is this something that we can go and tackle right now? Is this a product that we can go into? Is this a customer meet that need that we are the right insurers to solve today? And that's the sort of balancing that we have to do in the back end. I don't think there's a lot of consultants and insure techs and investors here. I don't think there's been a lot of times when you've knocked on an insurer's doors and we've not let you in. I mean, we're a pretty open book when it comes to our problems. I mean, obviously, there's a big regulatory burden as well that we're all aware of. But I think take that perspective from us that there is a sense of responsibility that we have, that we can't just go in and start experimenting with things. And we can't just go in and start changing things until we know that we can do this in a responsible way where we can take care of our customers and continue to pay those 99% of those claims. But I think, I, I think the solution to all of this is, again, I know we're not supposed to use the word collaboration, but you guys need to keep doing what you're doing, and we, need, and we need to all challenge ourselves and be that mirror. If there's technology that can help us solve a problem, we want to hear about it. We may not act on it, but we want to know about it. If there's a customer need that we haven't identified that somebody in this room has, we want to know. We want to tackle that problem together. But if we keep separating the insure tech industry with the insurance industry, there's only one, one person that will suffer, and that's the customer. So I'm not even going to take my whole five minutes, but I'd, I'd request this room to you know, step back a minute and think about the responsibility that comes with size. And also, let's keep challenging each, each other to make each other better. There are, there are things that I've seen from people in this room in meetings that we could never tackle, and we are adopting those, we are working with those, we are exploring those. There's equally ideas that we've seen that are absolutely phenomenal that as the incumbent that I'm here representing, I just cannot take the risk and, and do it in a responsible way. So that's a sort of balanced view that I wanted to share with this room. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Point very well made. Thank you. Um, next, Paul Merry, partner at KPMG. Uh, are uh, insurers failing their customers? Fifteen years ago, on a dark October night, I went back to my hometown, Cardiff, to meet Prudential customers. It was a bit like tonight, really. It was uh, just swap the beer for prawn sandwiches, swap um, the, uh, the average age, probably lift that up about 40, and change a nightclub to a trust house 40, and you get the picture. And after the CEO had given us the grand presentation of you know, how Prudential was solving the world's problems, all of the customers had the opportunity to meet Prudential staff, of which I was one. And the first person that came up to me was Barbara. She was a lady in her 70s, grey-haired, and she was a big fan of, of Prudential, but she wasn't happy. For years, her man from the Prue, Tony, had been helping her and her husband, Gwyn, to save for their retirement, to buy their first home, and when Gwyn passed away, 
Tony helped Barbara to arrange her funeral. Prudential um, was a loved institution for Barbara, and conversation after conversation that night went along the same lines. Where is Prudential now? Why did you get rid of the direct sales force? Where is the man from the Pru? It was a trusted friend, and, uh, and it taught me what customer experience could be. Now, for those of you old enough to remember the man from the Pru, it's not like it was great in the good old days. That's not the point I'm making. But in terms of customer experience and customer loyalty, I don't see any of that now. Nigel was talking about marriage, and I think banking products, for example, are often um, referred to like a marriage. You're more likely to get divorced than change your current account, whereas insurers are struggling to get beyond a one-night stand. <laughs> so, um, in terms of... In terms of what's happened to the insurance industry, as some people have said, it's become disconnected, disengaged, it's become distant to customers. And that's, that's, that's a big challenge. You know, the, the work, the analysis that we've done, the customer experience excellence analysis, the top, the 300 companies that we looked at in that, how many insurers do you think were in the top 10? Top 20? Top 30? LV at 32 was the highest ranked insurer. So you can hardly say that it's not failing customers. There are a handful in the top 100. Now moving on, I think there is a glimmer of hope in all of this. Topping the US survey was, believe it or not, an insurance company. How many of you have come across USAA? A few of you. So, for those of you who don't know, it's got 11 million customers and it provides insurance and financial services needs to US military personnel and their families. And it's focused on the customer, it's got great employee engagement, it's been a fast adopter of technology, and all of the customer engagement has not been at the cost of expenses. Its expense ratio is 15%, which is half the industry average. So, what's the good news? There is some good news here. There's a huge amount of hope because the insurance industry can, be, uh, can deliver great customer experience. It's just that it's not at the moment, not most in most parts of the, of the industry. It's not providing the products. It's not solving the, the risks that, uh, that, that people need. The bad news is, for some people in the room, is it might not be the insurers, though, that are going to solve the problem going forwards. But we'll come on to that later. Thanks. Well, thank you very much. Time for an InsureTech view again. Um, uh, here's Harry from Zigo, the co-founder. What uh, insurance failing their customers as far as you're concerned? I think there's a, um, a challenge here because it's so easy for me to say yes. Um, but actually, you know, insurance is so vital to everything that we do. In, in all the ways that we do it. But I think actually what we're seeing is a shift in the way in which people want to consume insurance. So we're seeing a shift in our, uh, our customer demographics as much as the way uh, that we're trying to solve it. And to my mind, um, certainly in the areas that we operate, 
what we're, we're missing is customers have never had, because of technology, as much choice as they have today. Through their phone, they can have access to any goods, any services at any time. But insurance, they're still put into a large homogenous group and said, you are going to be this type of insured person. And I think this is where technology needs to work with insurance in order to create hyper-personalized insurance uh, for individuals. Um, there was an interesting article written by Ernix, I don't know whether anyone read it, around personalization of insurance. Um, and to my mind, uh, it was absolutely spot on. It said, you know, if you can give something back to a customer because you can become relevant by using technology, you can say that um, one person doesn't want to feel as though the person next door to them has exactly the same insurance policy, then you become relevant, you have better engagement, you have uh, higher retention rates with each one of those. And so that's where I think insurance, through its lack of understanding of what the art of possible is, what the art of using real-time data is, um, is failing its customers. Um, I, I want to pick up on a couple of things that uh, have been said so far. So Arslan, um, you know, 99% of uh, claims are paid by Zurich. I think that's, you know, it's a great stat, but I'm not sure a company should really be advertising the fact that it's doing what you pay it to do um, in order to, <laughs> in order to, uh, um, to, to retain customers. I want... I believe that um, InsurTech really should give us, um, uh, should make someone feel like they are uh, completely unique. Uh, and so if you can do that, if we can have, again, I said I wouldn't talk about collaboration, but if you can work with insurers that are willing to use technology to get uh, real time and, and real detailed data about an individual, give them back a, a policy and a product which is absolutely unique to them, then uh, you're going to become relevant and uh, that's going to make you uh, not fail your customers. Sorry, slightly garbled message. Robin um, told us we were actually having a panel, so it's been a bit of a rush in the last couple of minutes. Um, Thank you. Last up, Carl. Carl, to me, Carl Bauer, but Carl with the most complicated surname in InsurTech history. Are you going to tell us what it is in full? Hello, everyone. Uh, we are an investor, um, mainly Series A and B in InsurTech. I think uh, most of these things have actually been said already, but from our uh, point of view, is insurance failing its customers? Um, our point of view is, would be a no. Insurance is actually having an important social value. Um, it's paying claims. Um, it is omnipresent in many parts of society. This being said, it's massively underutilized. It has been quite late in utilizing the emergence of the mobile phone. It has been quite late in utilizing the real huge data and knowledge of its customers. And we as investors are very excited in kind of helping the insurance industry together with the insurtechs and bringing them together in order to provide a better service, a better pricing, a better uh, risk selection. Um, when I look at the banking industry in terms of use of technology, I would think that insur the insurance is probably 10, some people would say maybe 20 years um, behind the banking industry in terms of using big data, in terms of understanding what um, you can do with actually high processing, um, with data analytics. The credit card companies kind of understood that probably 15 years ago. Um, the banks understood that with many of the payment services and kind of understanding the customer profiles. So the insurance industry hasn't really failed uh, in that sense its customers. It has just been extremely slow, in our view, in terms of really getting the maximum potential uh, uh, out of it. 
Um, each industry, we all wonder whether each industry has this kind of uber moment um, and kind of, you know, creation of a totally new paradigm. Um, I wouldn't see it like that. We ask ourselves the question, of course, is there the, I would kind of compare this more to the Spotify moment, right? There were the, 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 the record industry and the music industry, which kind of should own iTunes, which should have created Spotify. They kind of missed that opportunity. Uh, and are kind of in a totally different paradigm and, and, and part of it actually totally lost. I think the insurance is not going to face the same challenge. Insurance is a, is a complicated industry. Um, I think a lot of the insurtechs who kind of entered the market two or three years ago or four years ago have realized that in the meantime. Um, and um, you don't displace uh, the insurance industry just like that. I think ultimately what the insurance uh, industry needs to do is to kind of um, work much more in cooperation. I would not use the word collaboration, much more in cooperation with innovation. It's an industry which is going to have to massively simplify itself in terms of uh, structure. Uh, yes, it's a regulated industry, so you don't change that either, but the regulators also have to kind of uh, adapt themselves to kind of having a much faster adaptation process to what technology brings. Um, and um, ultimately, we would expect that the industry, rather than failing its customers, is going to have a battle between those big players who are going to be fast in adopting change versus those big players who are going to be too slow and who could eventually possibly um, you know, die of a, of a, slow, um, uh, of a slow death. Uh, if you see what's happening in the uh, technology industry overall, um, you, you conclude quite quickly that actually there's a massive consolidation around the biggest players. The fangs are just absolutely enormous. I think there's going to be some similarity in terms of what's happening in insurance. I don't think that Zurich Insurance is ever going to be put bankrupt by Lemonade or, or, or God forbid, Trove. Um, 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 I think it's, you know, a Zurich or an Allianz or an AXA could be put under uh, pressure because suddenly somebody has a fantastic uh, cooperation with uh, smart technology with an Amazon or, 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 or the biggest car manufacturers. Um, and I think that's what the insurance industry, uh, if it doesn't want to fail its customers, has to learn in terms of cooperating and being faster and being more efficient, uh, being nimbler. And ultimately, for us as investors, what we're very excited about is that the insurance industry is really moving from a moment of protection to prevention to prediction. And that's uh, a journey which is offering an enormous amount of potential. Um, I think a lot of insurance companies haven't really understood it, but, but frankly, when you speak with the big organizations, um, they, they understand the opportunity. They just have to adapt this kind of complexity in which they operate uh, and which is quite bureaucratic um, and, um, and, and really take the opportunity. That's it. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. We've, uh, we've got five minutes for questions. So if you've got a question, I'd like to know what the question is and who you'd like to direct it to. This is for Nigel. It's, hi, Nigel. Um, you know I'm going to challenge your claims statement. I'm also going to refer to what Louisa said on this topic as well. Paying claims isn't really the only promise that you're making. And not every claim is made because when you do make a claim, often you get punished as a result with an increase in your premium. So if you're getting punished for making a claim... How is paying the claim necessarily meeting the expectations and our promise to the customer? And also, if it's 99% of claims being made, 
sorry, claims being paid. Is that of all claims that are being made or is that of all claims that are valid or what's the reality behind the statistic? So, so I'll let Arslan respond to his own statistics. I'm just reading the billboard that I truly believe in. Um, yes, we are advertising what we are in, uh, engaged to do in the first place because you lot don't believe us. And I say you lot, myself included, fundamentally believe in the misconception that insurance companies are there to screw us out of a penny and not pay claims. It's genuinely untrue. And they've resorted to calling out the facts. It's back to um, an Obama speech a while back that he talked about climate change. He said, I can argue with anyone, but let's start with the facts. And if the facts that are reported by the press or elsewhere are saying another insurance scandal, claim not paid for whatever reason, guess what? All those millions of claims that do get paid don't sell papers or make headlines. So the reason we're coming out with to the advertising for it, in my mind, is because the perception is that we don't pay. The reality is much different. So let's start with the facts. And I think it's fair to say, Arsene, I don't know if you add to this, but if we start with the facts in the first place, we can have a sensible debate first and foremost. Do you want to add anything to that? Come on, we're on teamwork here. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's, uh, I mean, to, to answer the question, it's 99% of all claims. Um, so, but to come back to Harry, it is, it is a perception issue. And, and that's why I have, to, I have to come back to my point earlier, which is about responsibility. That we know that this is what we guarantee and what we promise our customers. We need to do that in a responsible way and to make sure that we can do that for the long term. That means, do we have to give up a lot of opportunity in the short term? Absolutely. But that's the balance we have to strike, and that's where we need help. That's where we've got guys like this, and we've got people in this room to, to help us get to a place where we are making things simpler, we are increasing inclusivity and diversity, and we are, we are challenging things like the dual pricing issues. But, <laughs> Look, that's a very challenging question, obviously, but it's... I think it has to come back to there's every individual brings a certain amount of risk to a certain pool. And again, we have to live with the large law of large numbers, right? So we have to take that balancing act. Do some people get unfairly, um, get an unfair premium increase year over year? Absolutely they do. I'm sure they do. They're examples. But there's also somebody who's had a million dollar claim that, where the premium hasn't gone up or it's only gone up 50 pounds or whatever it may be, right? So I think you have to take it, you, you have to balance both aspects. I'll add to that if I may, just I'll come to your question in a second. I'll add to it. I go back to our favourite man, Mr. Obama, or my favourite man, Mr. Obama, and I go back to the facts. Maths don't lie. For any actuaries in the room, they know exactly why premiums will change and what risks are carried at what point and where. Our issue, and we'll come on to this in the second half of the debate, is customers don't know, number one, and back to the first point, customers don't always care until they've made the claim and go, but why has my premium gone up? Well, actually, number one, it might be because you've had a crash or you've made a claim. Or number two, the whole IPT thing that came out over the last couple of years and the massive increase that we've had, people don't see it as IPT. People see it as the insurers put up my price. Well, actually, rates might have gone down in certain, in certain instances. We've got to start communicating better. Call out the facts. Stop playing with hype, Gareth. I put the mic. <laughs> okay, so just on that, so, you know... I don't want to just pick on you, but the trouble is the most outspoken people get directed the questions. Um, okay, so claims, right? I mean, that's because it's the only reason that customers call you. You said, you know, it's like a marriage. Why don't you call us? 
well, what the hell are you going to do for me if I call you without a claim? It's like, hey, dudes, I just want to chat. <laughs> you know, make me happy. No, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. We're not going to call you for anything because you can't do anything. Right, secondly, okay, if I may, don't know, I just, I waited. I've got a really so. short memory, so I'm going to forget the first question. Okay, okay, you go for it. okay secondly, right, oh. on the whole claims issue, Okay, the reason that people get frustrated about you putting out the premium, as you said, is, you know, you're an individual and you're in a pool of people. Yeah, but you should know. It's, it's about Harry's point, hyper-personalized insurance. You should know the risks. That's your job. So if I make a claim, you shouldn't put out my premium because you should have understood. It's like loss adjustment is after-the-fact risk management. No, no, no. Let's get parametric. You ask all the shit you need, and you tell me what I'm going to get paid when I submit the claim. And then we are on a level Stop playing field. Stop lying to me on your forms, then, for God's sake. I'm not. <laughs> Where's my car part? In the garage. What bloody garage? Right? We've all seen those things. Um, so I, I do take your point. Hang on. First and foremost, does anyone else want to stand up here with me that says insurers on the right side of the, of the fence? Other than Arsenal. Come on, Arsenal. Come on. <laughs> Anyone's welcome. There are a few people standing up. Good on you. Um, to answer your first question um, on premium and why it's going up, was the first question, wasn't it? I told you a really short memory. Marriage. Right, okay. So, two, so, so on, on a completely side, of, side affair, I've worked in contact centres for years. What contact centre agents get to hear and deal with from people that will call them on Christmas Day to go, I want to chat? is fantastic. Go and search out the charities that do it. It's not the answer to your question, I, I promise you. But the things that these guys do and deal with day in, day out is phenomenal. You only call me when you're pissed off, irate, at the side of a road, or have a leak, right? So it's not a great place to be, to be called in. Um, but one of the guys mentioned earlier, Carl mentioned it. I've got it for some of the next question as well. Insurance companies are changing. We used to be, years and years ago, way before the event. Now we're at the event, and we're going to get to the... To the um, before the event, this is all changing. You look at action, what they talk about with payer to partner. You look at um, other people's taglines every step of the way, whatever else. Look at vitality. Let's get all those people that should be moving, that aren't moving, moving. We are becoming more informed. Um, I was listening to the radio at the weekend and um, Vodafone were advertising V Home. You've seen the Neos things that are out there for those in the SureTech community with the smart home kit. Everyone's racing to get more insights that will provide you better information. And then they won't, you won't be calling them. They'll be calling you. Hey, Will. Thank you. My eyesight's going as well. So I'm hearing and eyesight. Hey, Will, did you realise this, this, and this has happened? If you do these things, it's in your interests. And by the way, we'll lower your price. Or by the way, your price will go up. But give you the options and the choice. For anyone that follows Amazon Web Services, AWS is the bemoth giant of a business behind Amazon's um, technology services. They will actively reduce your customer pricing without you asking. Imagine that in an insurance company. Imagine getting a call from Zurich. I'm not putting you on the spot here, so I'm on your side, I promise. But imagine getting a call going, hey, rates have gone down this month. We've lowered your premium. We're almost into the stage of a trove where we've got per minute or per day or per cycle pricing. I think it's coming, personally speaking. So call us any time. I'm sure they'll talk to you. I'm sure there are people in the room who say they can do it now. Um, N Nigel and Arsenal, thank you very much for um, coming to the Lion's Den, and, and uh, that was that was, um, uh, gen generated some decent debate. Uh, so look, we're going to take a break. Um, you will uh, you will not be surprised to know, given the slight bias in the uh, community, that 75% of you voted uh, that the insurance insurers 
Oh, no, no, I was going to try and hide that stat. Um, uh, and 25% say, uh, even, that, even that's actually, um, yeah, come on, those of you, now you've heard Nigel and Arslan, you can change your votes. Um, uh, two other things while I've got you. The next uh, Intertech London event is on the 19th of November. Uh, it's a clinic, so um, we've got 15 advisors to come and provide free advice on a variety of topics, how to get R&D tax credits, what Brexit means for you, um, uh, there's uh, how to create a new product, what you should know if you're um, a budding entrepreneur. Uh, 15 of them, they're on the website now, we'll start ticketing immediately. Uh, if, you have, if you're in the corporate world or um, just have an idea or uh, a startup, then you can get a lot of free advice in an, in an hour and a half. Thereafter, it's the, God, I can't believe I'm doing this already, the Christmas party. <laughs> Christmas party on the 13th. Uh, we're looking for sponsors. Um, we've got a venue. Uh, we've got it all organised. We just need a little bit of money in the kitty. Uh, so we're going to take a break now. 15 minutes. Part two is who will own the future of insurance. Thank you very much. Well, what a most enjoyable evening we had. That was a good cross-section of views and it's clearly the fact that innovating as an insurance company is far more difficult than most of us innovators appreciate. If you want to participate in events like this in the future, come to the intertech.london website. We do these things once a month and we are doing our very best to bring innovation to the insurance industry. At that point we took a break, we went to part two uh, where we asked the second question, who will own the future of insurance? and we'll be back for part two in a short period.